Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. I'm Greg. Saturday pod, Saturday pod. Welcome friends of the show for the Saturday pod. <laughs> it's funny, we were throwing up between our two names, Double Impact or the Saturday pod, weren't we? Nope. Nope, we <laughs> were not. Made it up. Speaking of made up things, we're doing Mars Attacks this Mars week. Mars Attacks, yep. Obviously... Not a true story. That's what they want you to think. That that yeah, that is true. But we'll get into that later, mm. or not, or not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> full of empty promises and full of lies here today. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie before. Oh yeah, man! What the fuck were you doing in 1996 to not see the second? Well, not probably not even the second biggest alien movie of 1996. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get into that. We'll get it. We'll get into that. Should we crank open the old time capsule for 1996? <laughs> that was it. Michael Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> 1996. Now, yeah. uh, thematically linked to this movie in that having a heap of people that are good at something do something together yeah. does not mean what they do is good. Showing all your cards here, Greg. Oh, uh, actually, a team of champions is not a champion team. I think I know where you're going with this. I would argue that maybe these things are underrated, but continue. Continue. <laughs> um, yes, a team of champions is not necessarily a champion team. As we saw in 1996 with the short-lived life <laughs> of the Dana Carvey show. Right. Um, now, Dana Carvey is obviously um, Garth. Yeah. Um, from Wayne's World. He's also the... Master of Disguise. Master of Disguise. <laughs> that, was, that was a movie. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, there you go. He's also the guy that teaches Adam Sandler how to crack the pepper. Ah, is that one of his? It was a, it was an SNL. Shubbin Brogolo. That's another thing. I don't know any of this. I don't, I think he's like America's sweetheart a little bit. Right. And in Australia we only really know him from Wayne's World. I've since gone a little bit. Through the archives on the old SNL and stuff, it's all right. Yeah, I, I don't really. I never. It's all right. I mean, I love Garth. He's amazing. Yeah, big, big, big Garth fan over here. Yeah, guilty. Yeah. Um, but let's go on the other stuff. And but I feel like I should. Uh, that might be sacrilege to say. Maybe I just haven't seen enough. So don't shoot me if I take it easy. And actually, I know where you're going with this. And I heard this was a good thing. This show. Well, yeah. yes. Well, at the time, it just got seven. Aired episodes out of the ten scheduled. Yeah, so was you wouldn't call it a hit. No. Um, and what was interesting of the Dana Carvey show was the quality <laughs> of the team, the staff, yeah. the you know the guys, the writers, the. I get performers. it mixed up with the Ben Stiller show because it's a similar story. I think is it like one season wonder with like a crazy ensemble, team. ensemble, 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 yeah, yeah. So I get the two mixed up, so I'm keen to hear which one this actually is. Well, they've got uh, Louis C.K. as head writer. Yeah, right. Stephen Colbert. Ah, okay, that's this one. Uh, Steve, Steve Carell. Carell. Yeah, okay. Um, others. Because they're a Charlie, posse. Charlie Kaufman and some other big names in there. So that like pretty incredible names there, right? Mm. And I think for especially for Carell and Colbert. Charlie this, Kaufman? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Adaptation. Yeah, yeah that's right. Fuck, man. The Steves, as they probably would have called them, mm. Steve 1 and Steve 2, I assume. Yeah. Well, they are a bit of a duo. They go way back to like the Groundlings or whatever. Ah. Like one of those improv 
groups. Yeah, the groundlings. Yeah. Good people. I think the groundlings. I could be wrong about that. It's one of them. Well, you'd fooled me. Second City. Ah, uh, who knows? One, one of, of them. them. Um, so that th- it didn't do too well. Yeah. I think it's, there's, it's as you say, I think in retrospect people are like, yeah, it was ahead of its time. It was pretty mm. heavy going apparently. Yeah. But uh, in 2017 the streaming service Hulu released a documentary which might be worth checking out called Ooh. Too Funny to Fail. Right. Um, that showcases the show's rise and fall. <laughs> so maybe check that one out if you're a, a Hulu subscriber, which none of us in Australia are. Just got to let the dog in. He's barking. Got to let the dog in. All right. Dog of the show, Seymour, is in the room. I've given him the highly coveted Osobuco bone. Oh. Oh, oh, Those oh. things last forever. Yeah, they're hard to get through. I've tried. But we may hear some grinding on the track. Um, sorry, continue. You're talking about the Dana Carvey show. Yes. So let's have a look at a clip um, from the show featuring Early Carell and uh, the namesake of the show, Carvey, doing Friendly Germans. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen. The Taco Bell Dana Carvey Show would like to present Germans who say nice things. Oh, Germans who say nice things. Uh. Our friendship is very important to me. Let's all pile into the minivan and go get some frozen yogurt. Would you like a back rub? You look beautiful in a tube top. I would like to volunteer for the big sale. It's like kind of like high concepty stuff, mm. but then it's like, well, I don't know. I haven't watched the rest of that sketch. But where does it go from there? <laughs> it just keeps yeah, going. That's, we'll never know. You know how we had fast forward and full frontal, yes, when we were kids. Oh boy, our sketch show in Australia. Mm-hmm. What I've realized in hindsight that was genius about that show, mm-hmm. and one of the one of the I won't say flaws, but one of the challenges with SNL, a bit like that. And it's live, so they can't do this. The sketches go on and there's no end and they often end really awkwardly. Ah. Like they'll force a punchline that's not really a punchline but it's an ending. Whereas if you remember fast forward and full frontal used to just like go and ah, just cut it off. The, similar to when you play a clip on the show. Exactly. And when you do improv live, usually that's how it ends. Someone on the team d- turns off the light so it just stops. Yeah. At, at a moment that feels like a good point, at a Just high, like on a high. We're there. We're not, yeah. Whereas often in these, especially live, like SNL, they... Like you had the... Yeah. yeah. If it just cut. Kind of like the been. Simpsons. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Sometimes the sketches feel like they go for 30 years, like the Simpsons. <laughs> um, there's also like this era, it was probably around the same time, maybe a few years later, um, Strangers with Candy. Do you ever watch Strangers with Candy? No. It's great. Stephen Colbert and... Um, and Amy Sedaris. Sedaris? She's great. You would love that show. Ah. You would love that show. The other guy in that, they're a bit of a posse too. And so like a bunch of people in that are like part of the writing team on Colbert, like mm-hmm. with Colbert. Like it's all, I've recently, in the last few years, realized that the comedy community is a lot like the hip hop community. You've got all these different crews and things. Mm-hmm. They're all like intertwined and like, oh yeah, that's that guy's part of the Colbert yeah. thing. And yeah, it's interesting. Real too. Tupac and Biggie type. Yeah, well, East Coast, West Coast is a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially the 90s. Um, so that was 1996, huh? Uh-huh. 
It's a big year. Big year for failed sketch comedies. Well, it's a big year for all star casts, I suppose. Uh-huh. Big year for movies. So 1996, I think we've covered this recently because um, a lot of these feel familiar on the tongue. I'm going to get <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm going to call out the top ten just because I think it, it bears some relevance Yes, um, so, to yes, this particular picture. That's appropriate. So the top ten movies in 1996. Number one, Independence Day. Number two, Keep Going. Twister. Number three, Mission: Colon Impossible. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Number four, The Rock. Number five, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. No, Notre Dame. Number six, Ransom. Number seven, 101 Dalmatians. Number eight, Night Professor, which we've covered before. Number nine, Jerry Maguire, which we've covered before. Number ten, Space Jam, which we've not covered before, but mm. seems like a crime. Mm-hmm. But coming in all the way at number 32, yes. a little ensemble tinge of comedy, I guess it's a comedy, called Mars Attacks. Came out in December 1996. Ah, Notably, notably December and not July. Yes, come back to that. Yes, budget of 70 million dollars, a gross of 101 million dollars. Not great. So, can I get those numbers again? Budget of 70 mil. 70. Gross of 100 mil. Okay, gross. Mm. Mm. And I think when they say budget, often that doesn't include marketing. So often they spend the budget the same amount again on marketing. It's not looking good, Mr. Boyton. Soz, Burtz. And Rotten Tomatoes ain't much better. So critic score of 54%, audience score of 53%, which surprised me because going into this, this is one of those ones I didn't I didn't think about a lot back in the day, but I've often wondered, was this critically acclaimed and I just missed the boat? But mm. it seems not to be. And it's always interesting when critic and audience score are so closely aligned. Yeah. It makes it feel like it must be true. It's like, like it's, it's universal. It's a unanimous verdict. Well, we'll see about that. So you haven't seen this before, have you? No. That means we uh, got to play a little plot prediction, huh? Why didn't you see it? Do you know? It just um, came and went? Yeah, look, I mean, I remember it being released and I remember looking at it and not really being that interested mm. from the posters. Yeah. It looked weird. And it was also in that year Independence Day came out, also Happy Gilmore and yeah. Scream and Nutty Professor and Space Jam and, yeah. the, and the Rock. So yeah. I had my Saturday nights covered. I think also I was thinking about this because I didn't see it when it came out. I think based on those results, because in those days we didn't get the movie the same time as the US. Mm. So I think if it's already failed in the US, it ain't getting much support here. So we mm. probably didn't even have much of an opportunity to see it. I'm sure it went to cinema, yeah, but there probably wasn't much at marketing around it. It probably yeah. wasn't a big deal by the time it got released here. All right, well, why don't we play your plot prediction and see how close you got. I believe you had a little help here from... Oh, yeah, there is a backing. Prissy. Yeah, there's a bit of a parrot in this. (laughs) Mars Attacks. It's set on Earth. Set on Earth. Oh, thanks, Bruce, yeah. And we have some aliens arriving to take over the planet. We have aliens arriving to take over the planet. Yeah. So basically it's a small group of aliens that come here they're coming first on a reconnaissance, like a check it out type mission before all the other aliens come. But, but a couple of them really like Earth. Earth. 
and they go on a talent show and become famous and earthlings fall in love with the martians or aliens and then they're like no we don't want to take over this planet because we like it here and we don't want to change it and we're famous now but then a couple of people have already decided we've got to get rid of the aliens so they start fighting but then it's too late and they blow up the world pretty pretty accurate it's been a hit or miss there, perhaps. It's mostly miss. <laughs> I think I got the alien bit right. That, that, there that was Mars a, attacked? Yeah. 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 That's said Pluto. <laughs> Did you say Pluto? No. Ah, nah, <laughs> just kidding. Did we clarify your memory of this film? It was something similar. You knew. Well, I was thinking, I mean, I eventually saw it. Mm. Uh, it must have been a couple of years later on the old home video. Mm, VHS? I guess so. And I watched it. And no, I thought it was fine. I think I can't really remember. But I liken this to Last Action Hero, and it's a similar, similar curiosity that 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 washed upon over me, washed over me. I remember this movie, and I thought, oh, maybe this is better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Like peas. Remember how I liken these things to yes, peas? When I was yeah. a kid, I didn't like peas. Mm, now no. I love peas. These guys looked a bit like peas when their heads. Exactly. Up, so. so is it like peas? Maybe mm. I love this as an adult. And so that's what I thought with Last Action Hero. Yeah. It wasn't quite like peas. It was no. maybe more of a, a broccoli. It was okay. Broccolini? Broccolini perhaps, yeah. But this one I was I had high hopes and I'm like, I feel like I'm on the level now. I'll, I will appreciate what this yeah. is doing. Because okay. it's kind of more ref, – it's, it's like a – Ref, throw back to different things and I feel like I've got more experience in – With those things. Kind of. Yeah. Not less. Yeah, not less. Exactly. Not less. So I, I had high hopes and we'll get into the rewatch in a second. But mm. before we do, how about I cover the origin story? Yeah. Can I press the button? Origin story. All right. So this movie is actually based on trading cards – I think, is this the first movie we've done based on trading cards? Wow. Uh, Ninja Turtles. Comic book. Yeah. <laughs> it's trading cards with a binder. Kind of. I was looking into like, I, tried, I Googled it and I couldn't find anything. Movies based on inanimate objects. Because like, <laughs> trading cards is, is up there as like and something to, for a movie to be based on. Yeah. Like I think Pirates of the Caribbean being based on, based on a ride, Battleship being based on a board game. Oh, but I think cards. What other things could we base? Ah, uh, it's interesting. Perhaps you could base it on a novella. <laughs> Maybe that's your dream. <laughs> <laughs> One day, One day, an origin story is going to be based on a novella, and you'll you'll miss it. You'll be like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that won't happen. My head will explode. <laughs> the Corsican twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a novella. Based on a song. Is there any movies based on a song? I think there are. Mm. There's a movie called Norwegian Wood. It's, it's a song title. Was that in uh, Norway? Sounds like a porno. Oh yeah. The, well, the porn parody. It's a very similar name. Ah, yeah. Um, so th- okay. So these trading cards were actually pretty good. They were they were made in the sixties, nineteen sixty two, by Tops. I used to collect Tops basketball cards, not so much Mars Attacks cards. Yeah. Uh, they got their inspiration from a from a, a comic book cover at the time, um, but they thought, you know what? Maybe we've got an idea here. Maybe we can make a whole series of trading cards out of these. Right on the cover of the comic book was a flying saucer landing uh, out in the wilderness, and two young kids were hiding behind a rock 
watching these, what looked like Martians getting off the flying saucer. And I remember saying to Woody, wouldn't this look good as a card series if we did a whole series about a space invasion? And bingo, I mean, he saw that right away as a possibility. The imagery is so striking, and, and Woody and I worked on every picture and uh, try to make every, every photo, every drawing look uh, like a little miniature poster and tell a story by itself. And I think we succeeded. That guy's accent, though. What is that accent? I don't know, but if he was famous, that's the accent all celebrities would do as their, like, token impersonation on Jimmy Fallon or whatever. Quite possibly. It's great, isn't it? It's interesting. I think it's like a New York thing. I don't know. It's probably some very specific. What clip? I mean, the six, he made those cars in the 60s. That must be an old clip because he looked quite young. Yeah, he must have been a young gun in those days. Saw one sold about 10 years ago for like three and a half grand. Yeah, so I think they're quite the collector's item now. Yes. I think they said the whole set, well, actually, that because that was probably made quite a while ago, that doco, and it said the whole set goes for about two grand. But since then, it's not been another nearly 30 many years. years. <laughs> yeah, many. 25 years. Um, but yeah, each, as he mentioned, each of those cards, they look like uh, like a pulpy sci-fi mm, poster. Yes. They all look fucking cool. They all look exactly like the aliens you see in this movie. Like it's straight up, they just lifted it straight from the from the cards, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Um, why, why reinvent the wheel? Exactly, exactly. And the artists that did the artworks for each card um, were two guys, Wally Wood and Norman Saunders, mm-hmm. who were pretty big time, Wally Wood in particular. He was an artist for Mad Magazine. Ah. Love Mad Magazine. Remember Mad Magazine? I used to love it. The Foldy Back. Yeah. I used to love it. All ID Aller. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He did uh, Daredevil for Marvel as well for Mm -hmm. a while. Uh, He's in the comic book Hall of Fame. He did a few illustrations for Philip Day Dick short. Philip (laughs) Philip Day Dick. Philip Philip K. Dick short stories. The other guy, Norman Saunders, he did paintings for pulp magazines and stuff. He was a bit more of a painter, it seems, versus ah. comic book artist. But they were both pretty big time. These things got released, got really popular. There was a bit of controversy, though. They're only around for six months before they got shut down. Shut down. Yeah, I think partly because they were quite violent, like they were pretty gory, yep. I guess, especially for the time. But then also, this is apparently was at this point the the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis, Cold War, fear of communism. And war in general, I suppose. And then these guys coming from the red planet, apparently there was a bit of like a, this didn't sit well with people in fear of communism taking over. Because uh, they're from Mars. Yeah, there was some, there's some. The foreigners. Yeah, yeah, basically. Because they were commie bastards. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So the whole thing got canned. They, they got Such taken off shelves six months later. The time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but they got a bit of a cult following, I guess you could say. Um, something that wouldn't be hard to believe Tim Burton as a child may have gotten quite excited about, but more on that later because Tim Burton wasn't actually the first person to see film potential here. Mm-hmm. That was a guy named Alex Cox in 1985. Ah, Coxie. Coxie. He's done Repo Man, Sid and Nancy, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas as a writer, not director. Um, Isn't Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas Hunter S. Thompson? I guess oh, he wrote a screenplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right. That's um, a different thing I've learned. It is a different thing. <laughs> end scene. You have to write end scene. <laughs> yeah, Finn. Oh, yeah. Said Finn at the yeah, end. Yeah. So there was also, you know, coinciding this with this in the 80s, I believe the Mars Attacks crew were releasing a bit more merch around this time, some comic books and things. So there was a oh. bit of a resurgence and so there was film potential. 
Bit this of a, guy, bit of an appetite. Yeah, this guy Alex Cox wrote um, three drafts over four years, but it kind of got trapped in development hell and eventually yeah. fizzled. Years later, a writer named Jonathan Gems, who or Gems, perhaps I don't know, <laughs> um, <laughs> a frequent collaborator with Mr. Tim Burton. He's been co-writer on things like Batman, Beetlejuice. Um, and, of course, Beetlejuice takes away or whatever the sequel was that never happened. Mm. Um, but they're yeah. buddies. And up until this point, those are the two the two biggies from Burton, right? Uh-huh. He had the idea around, yeah, no, I want to make a movie out of these cards. And also a related trading card collection called Dinosaurs Attack, which is basically the same kind of deal, but dinosaurs. But with dinos- are they higher intelligent dinosaurs or just regular? Couldn't tell you. I wonder. Don't even know what planet they were from. But um, they, they landed on, you know, Mars attacks and talk about great timing because at this moment Tim Burton was making a movie called Ed Wood which is based on a guy that makes movies like this stuff, this yes. pulpy B-movie stuff. The worst director of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. I, I was My mum was watching it once around this time that I saw bits of it. Yeah. But I was, it was black and white. I was like, no, I'm not interested in yeah. this. But that that one certainly must be like peas. I'm going to watch that one yeah. soon. Um and so it was like, fuck yeah, this is the perfect next movie. And, you know, Ed Wood had made a movie called um, Plan 9 from Outer Space. So mm-hmm. it was definitely like there's linkage there. But obviously Burton also was a big fan of other alien sci-fi B-movies from the 50s and 60s. Yep. Um, and he did love these cards specifically. And they gave him a, a great starting point because each of these, like that other dude said with a great accent, a lot of these things told a story. And so you yep. start to look at all these pictures and start to, Build a narrative around it. Get yourself a movie. Get yourself a picture. I just like the way that the cards, the the, the lurid quality of them, and the and also the the kind of naive quality in those original cards. Nowadays, it's like it's hard to believe that 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 could ever happen. You know, with those cards, there's a lot more worse things floating around now than Mars Attacks cards. You know. <laughs> You know, I had kind of favourite cards. I like the images, so we just tried to work them in to some degree. I feel Nick Cage would play him in his biopic. 100%. If only he was significantly younger to, like, play him now or something, you know. Yeah. He's, he's kind of already aged out of it. But yeah. He could have, 100%. Him, yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, so they got started using the... The cards, Mr. Gems or Gems, who knows? I'm going to go with Gems. Yeah, it seems like it should be Gems. Um, finishes the script, well, after nine, after 12 drafts, finishes the script. It originally had like 60 leading characters. They refined it down to 23, <laughs> sensible 23. Yeah. Um, would have been too much. Yeah, <laughs> would have been a bit much. 24, you're kidding me, 23, beautiful. They, they essentially co-wrote it together. Now, you've got to remember this is also at the height <laughs> <laughs> the height of Tim Burton right now. Like yeah. he, he's killing it. Yeah. And even because the last one was Ed Wood, he's kind of rounded it out. He's got the critical acclaim. Like people won Oscars off that, not him unfortunately. But, um, you know, he, that's how you get this star power as well. But even in terms of getting it made, he just puts the word into Warner Brothers and they buy that they secure the rights and all that kind of shit. The thing's greenlit from the start. Yeah. Now, um, he apparently wanted to do stop motion aliens initially. Mm-hmm. But, uh, of course he did. Of course he did. But he eventually went with a CGI, which was which was quite cool. It was a financial. Was decision. it a financial thing? Yeah, uh. I think they were. The budget was blowing out by the day. They actually started with stop motion. 
Yeah. Um, and I think at one point they just went, this is going to keep going on this. The studio wasn't into it based on the escalating cost. I think it put it closer to 100 mil for the cost. Shit. Um, and, he, and they went, nah, let's have a go at the old CGI. And it turned out all right. I think he was sceptical and then it looked all right. We'll get into it more, but it kind of, it kind of suits it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stop motion would have been pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I would have liked to see some flying saucers on strings and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not like, not totally terrible, but kind of, yeah. you know. I, yeah. yeah. It would have felt more like a Tim Burton movie if they were stop motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Beetlejuice sand deserty stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good stuff. That is good stuff. Now, should we get into cast? Yeah. This could take a while. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've got to remember, again, this is Tim Burton at his highest. It is most powerful. He's a mm. king of Hollywood mm. or Hollywood, more like it. <laughs> <laughs> but he was that guy. Can't it's like you want to you want to get involved in these this quirky guys, quirky movies. Yeah. Now's the time. Twenty three leading bloody characters. Yeah. Now you're cooking with gas. You got Jack Nicholson as the president, President James Dale, and Art Land. Apparently, the he said, oh, "I want to play all of them." So yeah. Two would have been nice if he played three. So it'd be like Peter Sellers in. In Doctor Strange, love. Well, I was interested because I did think, man, there had to be a bit of a catalyst for so many stars being in this movie, mm. like who jumped first type thing. Yeah, and it was Jack. So apparently, he wasn't getting people. Oh, really? People weren't digging it, right? So and Jack, when Jack was legitimized Jack, it, when Jack was one, of the, oh, Jack's doing it. I'll do it. We're well, getting a lot of previous um, Burton Burton nights. Uh huh. You got um, no Johnny Depp though. No Johnny Depp. Yeah, that's a good point. Apparently, he turned down the MJ Fox role. Ah, that would have suited him too. Yeah, because even Sarah Jessica Parker, she was in Edward. And then there's a whole bunch. We'll get in more into the cast in a sec, but I'll just list them out just so they're all acknowledged at the top before yeah. we leave anyone out later. Glenn Close as the first lady. Annette Bening as Barbara Land. Pierce Brosnan as Professor Donald Kessler. Danny DeVito as the Road Gambler. Uh, Martin Short as press secretary, Jerry Ross, who loves a little prosy action. Sarah Jessica Parker as Natalie Lake. Michael J. Fox as Jason Stone. Rod Steiger as General Decker. This, I'm not even halfway through the list. Tom Jones as Tom Jones. Lucas Haas as Richie Norris. Natalie Portman as Taffy Dale. Jim Brown as Byron Williams. Lisa Marie, not Lisa Marie Presley, but girlfriend of Tim Burton at this point, Lisa Marie as the Martian girl. Sylvia Sidney as Florence Norris, legend Sylvia Sidney, got a bit on her later. Christina Applegate as Sharona. Joe Don Baker as Glenn Norris. Pam Greer as Louise Williams. Paul Winfield as General Casey. Jack Black, a very young Jack Black and sort of slim as Billy Glenn Norris. Slimmer. Slimmer. Slimmer than me at this point. Brian Haley as Mitch. Um, Olan Jones as Sue Ann Norris. Jersey Skolomowski as Dr. Zeigler. Ray J as Cedric Williams, Brandon Hammond as Neville Williams and Frank Welker as the voice of the Martians. At, 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 at. <laughs> now, whew, they got all these people in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. Some of them they animated inside of the computer. Inside it. Oh. Yeah. Then they, they mash them up together. Yeah. And bish bash bosh, you got yourself a movie. Rap Party of the Viper Room. Wow. I- would have been a party. Would have been quite a party. Mm, we mm. say that from time to time. This time I mean it. This time it would have been, yeah, it would have been a good party. Yeah. Let's play the trailer. What is that? Why, 
White House is coming out live. My fellow Americans, this is a momentous occasion. It is profoundly moving to know there is intelligent life out there. Alien life. And our world will never feel quite the same again. Once you believe. Martians. Please come to Earth, please. Once you rise above fear. Annihilate! Kill! Kill! Let's not be too rash. Then you'll be invited. Hi there. Are you interested in the White House? To meet <laughs> with a new people. It's so perfect that it's happening at the beginning of the new millennium. More powerful than the might of America. I'll tell you one thing, they ain't getting a TV. More advanced than the brains of Britain. Ladies and gentlemen, this could be a cultural misunderstanding. But be prepared for a few changes to what we know and love. Tom Jones, right? It ain't unusual. As we must learn to dance. Girls, get out! To a new tune. Jack Nicholson. Whoa. Why can't we all just get along? Glenn Close. Kick the crap out of them. Pierce Brosnan. What, in your view, are some of the things that the Martians can teach us, Professor? Quite a lot about Mars, I expect, Natalie. <laughs> that means I... Danny DeVito. You want to conquer the world? You're going to need lawyers, right? And Annette Bening. I think they've come to save us. From director Tim Burton. Hey, we all make mistakes, Mr. President. Mars attacks. Not anymore. We're going to take charge of this thing. So your ver- we're just talking throughout the trailer. So your version had subtitles for all the alien stuff. Well, a lot of the time it was just ack ack ack. Okay. A C K. I'm pretty A-C-K. sure mine didn't. There were times when they talked. Yeah. Ah. Greg, I'd love if you could perhaps break down exactly when we're down in this movie a little bit further than yeah. what that trailer just. Uh, I'll, get, I'll have a crack. This yeah. movie's pretty bad shit crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I'd love on. if you could recap the story from each of the top twenty three characters. Oh, easily done. Yeah. yeah. Well, Four-hour app. Yeah. Ah. We open on to a scene of flaming cows running down a country road, Mm. which sets the tone appropriately for the rest of the craziness that we're about to see. We soon learn that aliens from the valleys of Mars have come to Earth. There is much ceremony, and there is an official greeting planned. The head of the military, who I assume was Colin Powell, greets them. As a dove is released by a nearby hippie, it sets off the aliens and they start ray gunning everyone. Everyone. They start shooting everyone, <laughs> turning everyone into green skeletons. Yeah, some red. Mix. Yeah. Oh, there was, there was yeah. some green ray. Yeah, it was like Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> very festive. Yeah, it was a festive, yeah, festive film. Mm. Well, it was December. Yeah. <laughs> they then pretend that was an accident and gather another group of diplomats back yeah. on Earth. Yeah, yeah, we're sorry about that. We'll come back. Only to start ray gunning them too. It turns out the aliens are pricks. They're quite <laughs> like jokes. They're massive <laughs> jokes. They're quite like intergalactic gremlins. Yeah. This is why I thought you might like it. We'll come back to that. Keep going. Seemingly enjoying torturing and tormenting earthlings. Yeah. The president of the United States seems to struggle 
with a path of action as the world falls apart around him. Some kid discovers that yodeling extraordinaire Slim Whitman's music makes their heads explode and he saves the day, <laughs> scoring a date with Natalie Portman. A great result for him. <laughs> it's also a love story between Pam Greer and her ex-heavyweight champ ex-husband that feels like it's from a separate movie. <laughs> I'm very curious. Yeah, how was your rewatch? Now, was, I think I said before we watched it. I, I was keen to hear what you thought about this because I could see it going either way. It's kind it, of it went kind of each way. Yeah, at times I even felt that way to be honest. Yeah, you can't like all of this movie because some of it's pretty shit. Mm. But I think I liked that. You know, probably skipping to verdict a little bit. But I think mm. I like that it exists. Yeah. Um, but that was my first acknowledgement. I'm like, I don't know. I'm rewatching. I'm like. I don't know how I feel about it yet, but I'm glad it exists. I'm glad I'm watching this, yeah. having this, yeah, yeah, having this experience. I would say I kept mistaking Sarah Jessica Parker for Andy Dick. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of see that. Is that okay? Mm. Um, but it's pretty all over the shop. And maybe given the cast, I probably did expect a little bit more. Mm. I think to your point, you don't – I felt like that. Okay, Danny DeVito is a perfect example. That guy's a genius. Mm. And his character in this it's a bit is, of a hacky role. Like it's, it's just like, like you know when like um you know by the time you get to Austin Powers three and there's a million cameos yeah and they're all kind of lame. Mm-hmm. I quite liked the actors in the main roles, but ones like that they just feel more like a cameo that like and and it feels like the movie saying to you, hey look who it is, look yeah. who we got. Yeah, that part those I, those that I resented that feeling. I didn't like so much. Yeah, and I but sorry, yeah, go. I was gonna say I didn't. I'm a massive Jack Nicholson fan, as you know. Yeah, I didn't particularly like him in this. Really, I thought he was okay as a president. The other, the other character was kind of like. I think they didn't go far enough with. Maybe. It. I think he should have played a third character. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, that would have been more interesting. I think so. You could, because he was better as the president for sure. I the president agree. was pretty good, but it was then okay. if you just made it slightly more absurd by a third character, and it's not even like it's pretty obvious it's him. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And just having a third one that's kind of pretty obvious to him too. And yeah. you've got all these stories that are so disconnected that you could get away with it. They don't ever have to be in the same room. Could have been a bit party. Could have just been the the old guy on the translator. Yeah, it could have been any any other, yeah. And you? Yeah, I was similar. While I'm watching it, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely like that it exists. I like that it was made. Yeah, you know, I, I always say I appreciate a swing. I, I appreciate a swing and a miss. Anything mm. that's, mm-hmm. that's someone's trying to do something a bit different, good yeah. on them. Yeah, but um, I think I, I ultimately liked it, and the more I thought about it, the more I like it. Probably more because as we do the research and stuff, it adds more context, which mm. which makes me like it more. But I think where where it where it all fell into place for me was about halfway through. I realized, oh, this has kind of the same. Vibe, same like sensibilities as like a Treehouse of Horrors episode. Oh, yeah. And I was start, everything started to fall into place after that. And even Ara said a little bit after that, I didn't say this out loud. She's like, it's like The Simpsons. It's interesting. And it kind of helps because even in Treehouse of Horrors, obviously they're always a reference to other things, A, which this is too. But then also because all these characters you're familiar with are playing different characters in Treehouse of Horrors. So you're like, oh, yeah, it's Ned Flanders and he's like a vampire in this one. And yeah. So the celebrities showing up in different roles. Yeah, so even that, that Danny DeVito thing that's a pain in the, the ass characters. kind of just works. You go, oh, yeah. So once I kind of switched into that mode, I was I liked it more. There is a Simpsons connection, obviously, with uh, Danny Elfman. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Danny Elfman's back, of course. The music was good. I loved all that. Yeah. Stuff. 
Um, I do love how batshit crazy it is. I love that the aliens are just jerks. Yeah. That, and the humans like, can't seem to comprehend that they could just be jerks. Yeah. They keep, they keep, they keep like assuming there's going to be this peaceful. Yeah. Like, keep, especially the president. And he gives, you know, the tear jerking speech. Like, of course that's going to fix everything. That's how it works, right? Nah, you're dead. And I love the, um, that they're just having a laugh. Yeah. Like maybe these aliens are just teenagers from another planet. Like, yeah. They're fully like gremlins. Like gremlins yeah. are. They yeah. like hurting people and. Yeah, and I love that they're all just wearing speedos on the. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking weird. It's so weird, and they just they. It's like they go to these elaborate lengths to lure them in, and they go and have another meeting, and it's all like, yeah, and then they just good. go, ah, gah, 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 just kill them all again. But there's no expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've got no face. Yeah, and the fact that they are all stars as well, a bit like we're saying on an episode that's not come out yet, Predator, that the deaths are kind of shocking. So you don't expect Michael J. Fox to die. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh. So usually it's very obvious who's going to die. It's the non-famous people. But in this one, all the famous people die. And it's probably the least famous people that don't die at the time. Yeah. Um, well, which is kind of cool. So they all, in that way, it's, it's, I feel it's a refreshing watch not to see people die. But, but you know, it's uh-huh. something different. Something different. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, they reckon the CGI largely holds up to... I think it hasn't dated. Yeah. Like the film in general. Like it, it just suits, like it suits the, the vibe, the B-movie vibe yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's so stylized that it's just. Yeah, like a flying saucer. It wasn't trying to do more than what it probably could do, which mm. is good. Um, oh, yeah, one of the things we both said in the trailer as well, the the two parts I loved, which I would have loved to see more of this kind of stuff, was when one of the aliens is in a big robot thing that looks a bit like the Iron Giant mm-hmm. chasing cars yeah, down yeah. the street and stuff. It, it looks fun. very 60s vibe and in the nuke absorbing device was that was terrific because the whole thing the whole movie was like do i do we put send the nukes yeah and then they send him and you just and he goes ah, nah, nah. <laughs> makes he uses him, it um, like a helium yeah balloon. it's great <laughs> oh did you find it hard to tell when it was set i thought it was set in the 60s for a while because they got all this old tech but then they've got yeah. new tech as well because someone's got a mobile phone yeah and then they talk about the new millennium so i think it is set when it was yeah. made, but they've just got all this, just for visuals, they've got this weird old technology. Yeah. Like a lot of Pierce Brosnan stuff is like this, like the translator. Yeah. It's old school. And a lot of the TVs are just 60s TVs just because. I love all that. So that whole B-movie thing, it's really interesting doing this back-to-back with Indiana Jones because mm. this is kind of like his Indiana Jones in the same way that Spielberg and uh, Lucas uh-huh. That was their throwback. This is like his throwback to yeah. to the stuff that he loved as a kid. Probably is appropriate from what you know of the directors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And should we talk about this being the same year as Independence Day? Because I think that's ultimately one of the primary undoings of the success of this movie. Yeah. This was originally slated to be released in July. Was it? And I'm not sure if it moved because of Independence Day, but either way it kind of fucked it up. I got a I got a spiel on that. Oh, you do? Yeah. Go for it. So um, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich were writing an alien invasion movie at the same time. Um, yeah. Obviously a more, slightly more serious tone. And they knew that both of them were going to be released in summer. Right. I think, they, yeah, I think they were both going to be summer films, but then these guys pushed ahead. Yeah. Of of Timothy. And I um, guess they had to be 
July movie because it was Independence Day. Well, the film wasn't. This is the whole thing. So, oh, yeah. They like we, motherfuckers. They were like, well, we can't do it after a parody, which is yeah. true. Like yeah. you can't for obvious reasons. So they knew they had to beat it. So they're like, all right, let's get it out on on the fourth of July. They, yeah. And they're like, you know what? Let's just do the whole concept around that and let's call it Independence Day. No way, fuckers. And we could come up with something better later. <laughs> And then they didn't. <laughs> it's called Independence Day. Fuck, assholes. Because, you know, the, the reason they chose, because you know how I said before they had Mars attacks and dinosaurs attack? Mm. They chose this one because they thought it would be dumb to do dinosaurs after Jurassic Park. Yeah, right. But that's basically what ended up happening here is like yeah. this genre that was a forgotten thing sort of from the 60s just got legitimized again yeah. <laughs> as a serious blockbuster. Uh-huh. And it's just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. That's, yeah, that's. You need a bit a of shame. luck in Hollywood, don't you? you? You really do, man. It's a real pain in the ass. And it's, it's also a shame because it's not really, like on the surface, they're similar and actually quite a bit similar. Because even like the, the family in the caravan and like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've, they've got the same classic disaster movie setup of setting up a few different key players in different areas. Some of them yeah. come together, some uh-huh. of them don't, whatever. In a very similar way. like Unlikely it, heroes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the beginning, it, all, it plants all those seeds in a similar way and it's so close. Like if this was two years later, if this if this was two years later, you would almost think of it as a direct reference to Independence Day. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot similar there. Yeah, um, maybe that would have been better. <laughs> yeah, well, they could have incorporated. Yeah, exactly. Give it a bit of space and then make fun of it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. I think – um. In my mind, I was also thinking of where Tim Burton was at at this point and a lot of what follows this movie, there's still pockets of greatness, but a lot of what follows this movie is then the more mediocre Burton movies. What's next? Well, I'll start by what's before. Oh, okay. Start so you, from the beginning. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just such an incredible run. So 1985, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, um, 1988, Beetlejuice, 1989, Batman, 1990, Edward Hands, 1992, Batman Returns, 1993, The Nightmare Before Christmas, 1994, Ed Wood, and 1996, Mars Attacks. Now, there's, there's still some good ones after this, like Sleepy Hollow, but then you've also got like Planet of the Apes and you got, you know. Is that an ordinary one? I didn't mind that. Shit, man. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, to be fair, we've got to rewatch it to have a verdict, don't we? had that girl who was beautiful but couldn't act. Estella Warren or something. Oh, I'm going to have to see it again. Anyway, so he had a he had a genuinely perfect run up until this point. And I was I was thinking like if this was his final movie, it actually would be a good final movie for him. Because of the explosions? Because of the explosions but also even just thinking of like his career arc at this point because Ed Wood was the one before all of his, you know, Actors that he's worked with, except for Johnny Depp, I suppose, and maybe um, Michael and Keaton. Winona that, Ryder. Yeah. If Michael Keaton and Johnny Depp were in it. And Winona Ryder. Yeah, maybe. She, she's in multiple. Is she in multiple? Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah, Beetlejuice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so if, if three of them were back, then it would be even better. But yeah, ex- but 26 is too many. <laughs> no, just in the same character. Replace ah, people. Yeah, oh, yeah, have to. Yeah, yeah, 23 yeah. 23 is the number. 23 is the number, man. So, you, so what you're saying is you wish that Tim Burton had died. I was. I don't wish that he had died, but I did write. He just should have. I did write in my notes if he died. If <laughs> I, immediately after this movie came out, he would be an immortal Hollywood legend. Yeah. Like he, he, w- he really would be. 
And you would look at this, you could look at this movie as the Avengers Endgame of the the Tim Burton story. Like all the actors come back. It's a big end of the world scenario. It's the ultimate throwback to what influenced him as a kid. He's kind of come full circle with they, all that shit. And people disappearing with the ray gun like Thanos's people. Well, yeah, the- it could be quite literally like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yeah, a lot of the, what happens after here, you know, it's some of it's okay, some of it's, it's mixed back. I, I'm a big Tim Burton fan. I'm, I will, I'm quite forgiving. Yeah, no. I, I like a lot of his stuff. You but just, that but run. you wish him dead. I, I just wish he died earlier. No, I don't at all. But that run, that is an amazing run. And this could have been a nice grand finale. of, But it's not. <laughs> and he's still alive. So <laughs> here a, we are. <laughs> son of a bitch. So here we are. How but you know how he? sometimes the context around a movie makes it better? Like that would make this movie. Like The Crow? Maybe, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I haven't seen The Crow for a long time. I haven't seen it for a long time. Fuck, let's do that soon. We'll do it, yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I'm obviously don't wish him dead, but I just mean that's like 1985 to 1996, 10 years, fucking eight movies or whatever. Fuck, unbelievable. Mm. 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 Quite. Speaking of number of movies, this was only the second Ray J movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you guys Google that one. Yeah. Google Ray J. It's better. Oh, don't Google it. Pornhub it. Pornhub it. It's uh, Brandy's brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did the Phil Collins cover together. Oh, did they? So can you help me? Oh, does he do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He oversings it. Oh my god, big time. Is it bad that I recognised him right away too? <laughs> yes. Like, is that Ray J? And I was like, who's Ray J? I was like, oh. without Ray J, there's no bloody keeping up with the Kardashians. That's right. Yeah. Anyway. That is right. <laughs> Speaking of some of the smaller but le- lesser known cast members to the general public, I want to talk about Sylvia Sidney. Yes. So she was in Beetlejuice as well. Correct. As the, the lawyer with the cigarette yeah, smoke coming awesome out of her that. throat. She's great. We talked a little great bit about her again. last time. She's great in this again. And I forgot who she was and one of my first notes was, who's yeah, this old lady? Really? She's great. And then the, pe- the penny dropped a bit yeah, later. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's her. Um, Thomas. I decided to look a little bit more into her this time and um, she's done fucking a lot. I'm not going to do a huge deep dive. But I thought, well, A, whenever we do movies with an old person from the 80s and 90s, yeah, I always get sad because they're probably dead. But then B, I think often – People our age who didn't grow up with these people when they were younger, you only think of them as old people. Yeah. So I thought, why not play a clip, a Sylvia Sydney clip from when, from the 1930s, <laughs> when she was a spring chicken. She was 40. <laughs> she was 65. No, I don't know how old she was. But um, I, I think it's nice to see these people in their younger years and you have a bit more, it's like all the. Um, Golden Girls. Golden Girls. Betty. Crocker. Fucking hell. Betty I, White. I got no brain today. I don't know what the fuck's going Betty on. Betty White. Betty White. Like it's so interesting looking up her um, younger days and stuff. Although she's <laughs> recently discovered she's done some nudes. Betty what recently? Betty White. <laughs> yeah. No, in the in the early days. Um, that's that's a tale for another time though. In the meantime, this is a clip <laughs> of Sylvia Sidney in um, a film called One Third of a Nation, which was it's a serious film. In 1938, about the housing problems in New York City, 
about the slums and the homeless based on a quote by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1937 where he said, I see one third of a nation ill-housed, ill-clad, ill-nourished. The test of our progress is not whether we add more to the abundance of those who have much, it is whether we provide enough for those who have too little. This is nearly a fucking hundred years ago. Fuck. That's hectic. Now I'll play a little clip here. Um, It's quite nice. I'm thinking about the others too. The ones that are dead. I wish I could stop seeing them. Yes, the ones lying on the sidewalk. One was tiny. Just a baby. Schumacher's baby probably. They live on the third floor. Yes, the third floor. The mother threw it out the window, somebody said. Whoever's responsible is a murderer. Well, she's dead too. She threw it out and then jumped. No, I mean the owner of the house. You don't know what it was like inside. No wonder it went up like an explosion. Like it was soaked in gasoline. Everywhere the wood was dried out and rotten. Feels weird not to play a funny clip at this point, doesn't it? But it's but it's uh it's interesting. I was I was looking. What was the for, style at the time? What was the style at the time? I was looking up her movies and I wanted to find one of the oldest ones. Turns out that's a serious one. But mate, pretty bloody relevant in 2020, I tell you. Isn't it? Yeah. Scarily so. Yeah. Another actor that I thought could be fun to talk about. The other hero of the day. These two. This dynamic duo of grandson and grandmother. Yeah. Lucas Haas. He's one of the founding members of the Pussy Posse. Yeah, we talked about the Pussy Posse once before. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember. It's it's the crew of oh, Leonardo DiCaprio it's, and yeah, it's basically and Toby, Entourage. Toby, Toby Maguire. So okay, I'll go through who's in it. Um, Lucas Haas, Lucas Haas, Leonardo DiCaprio, Toby Maguire, David Blaine, Kevin Connolly from Entourage, Harmony Korine, and apparently Q-Tip. I don't know about that. I think more of Q-Tip than the rest of those names. Oh, Harmony Corinne is interesting. But Harmony Corinne. He's the guy that did kids and stuff, isn't he? We've oh. talked about him before. I can't oh, remember sorry what. I haven't remembered Harmony. Oh, we saw him interview. <laughs> we talked about him a lot. The before. really yeah, weird like guy. We went deep on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't remember why. What movie would that have been? Oh, geez, Tristan, don't you remember? <laughs> you know what's funny with that is I think um, – Kevin Connolly is in Entourage. A lot of these dumb stories of this pussy posse sounds like Entourage. And even the fact that Harmony Corinne is one of them. Remember there was the crazy director in Entourage as well? It feels yeah, like it's a lot more based on Leonardo DiCaprio than it is Mark Wahlberg. Oh, Kevin Connolly is E. Yeah. Didn't he get done for He's like... the worst. Yeah, he seems like a bad guy. <laughs> well, they all seem like kind of dickheads. Yeah. I don't like these people. I'm going to go on record. To the people that we listen to. Well, to be fair, to, to the they were young dickheads. So they, they all met as child stars auditioning for the same things. So Leo beat Lucas Haas to the role in Gilbert Grape. But even before that, like when they were little kids, they were all auditioning for the same things and they all became mates. And then like on Dariash, one of them becomes famous and they got, you know, fame and money and influence but and not fully developed brains but yeah, fully developed hormones. So they're going around being dickheads. And there's all these I, – I, I got a list of some of the stories and they're all like lame. <laughs> yeah. Like the, I was – I wanted some juicy stuff. The stories are lame? Or like, the stories are lame, yeah, which implies okay. they're quite lame. Like it's just very – if a 19-year-old became really famous, of course, this is the story. So um, apparently in the 90s, Leonardo DiCaprio bet Tobey Maguire that he could sleep with six Victoria's Secret models during the Cannes Film Festival. Um, in <laughs> – in the 1998 article that 
kind of talked about the pussy posse. Well, when she was trying to write it, Nancy Jo Sales was trying to write this article about the pussy posse. She says in the process of trying to get Leo for the article, she got a weird message on her answering machine. It's a group of young guys. They all sounded drunk, were laughing. It's all strange. The speaker was telling me that if I wanted an interview with him, I'd have to make a deal along the lines of doing something for him that Monica did for Bill. Then maybe we'll talk. He laughed. In turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh. A couple of other dumb stories. They allegedly got in a fight with Elizabeth Berkeley's boyfriend after they relentlessly hit on her. Who was that? Who was her boyfriend? Uh, some guy. I didn't recognise the name. Mm. Um, they set off stink bombs in bars. Oh, and the best, the piece de resistance mm-hmm. is uh, they made a movie. Oh, yeah. I think it's like literally directed by the Pussy Pussy or whatever called Don's Plum. It's become somewhat of a, of a mysterious uh, piece of film in the community because they ultimately Leo and Maguire had instant regret and then got it totally blocked. So it never got released, but there is a clip circulating online, which gives you a flavor perhaps as to why it was blocked from being released. You live that new knife. Fucking nutty, nutty shit. Just happened to be in there, bro. What? Dude, I'm fucking in shock. Check it out, bro. You see that girl that walked in there before, bro? Grace Forrester. This this chick is Spielberg with a pussy. Swear to God, bro. She just fucking came on to me, bro. She, I swear to God, she offered me a fucking lead role in our next film, bro. What'd you do? What? What'd you do? Did you just get a fucker in the bath? How come that kind of shit doesn't happen to me? I don't know, bro. She a fucker. She offered me this film and I want to do it, but fucking she had like this, like her, our boyfriend like knew, bro. Like he, he was right there. He was there, bro. And she asked him to leave. That's a little nutty. It's scary because they, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to go over there and like just yeah, they're gonna fucking try to pull some fucking scandalous shit. Yeah. It's, it reeks of the idea of this pussy pussy, you know, kick-ons. You know what? We should just make our own fucking movie. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah, look what we've got in the room here. Yeah. We should make our own thing. It's heaps weird. We'll put that on Instagram. Leonardo DiCaprio is wearing like big fake goofy teeth and picking his nose and stuff. And then there's this banter of bloody Kevin Connolly trying to be a cool Woody Allen. <laughs> like it's just all this like dumb, ugh. Yeah. There's a whole documentary about it that looks interesting. Uh, um, yeah. But it's so fascinating because – Leo has done a good job, other than dating really young people, a good job of really changing his image. Like he's pretty well respected. I respect him. He's good. He does good movies. He seems like a cool guy. Yeah. I mean, the women thing is pretty weird. Isn't yeah. He just, yeah, date 20-year-olds. Yeah. But it's – um, and again, these, nice. they were, these guys were kids, man. They were kids and they were idiots. I was a kid and I was an idiot. I just wasn't famous. So nice. Fair enough. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and no, I hear you. I hear you. I'll give them, you know, whatever. And they're, they're rebranding themselves too. They call themselves the Wolf Pack now, not the Pussy Pussy. They've still got a name? <laughs> well, this is the thing too. I tried to find the origins of the name. I don't I don't think they call themselves that. It sounds like that's just what they based what on those dumb stories. Calls them. Yeah, exactly. Now, interestingly, Lucas Haas seems like the most normal from what I can tell. Like maybe the George Harrison of the group. Ah. Where he's like less of a show pony. It seems like he does more indie kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's also a musician. Yep. He's released some kind of collaboration with Isabel Lucas. Oh, yeah? About whales? 
Maybe. She likes marine. And anti-vax. Yeah. Some of that. 5G towers. I don't know. He seems cool. Where's she though. these days? Well, nowhere now. <laughs> was, she, was she dead too? She, no, she's just nowhere pop culture wise. She's ah. been cancelled essentially. Ah. Um, but yeah, he's an interesting dude. Um, there's there's an article in New York magazine saying Lucas Haas is the true king of the pussy posse, basically saying he's, he's very talented, I he's guess. He's the George Harrison. He's the George Harrison, yeah. So shout out to Lucas Haas. I like him. And he got to go on a date, at least one date with Natalie Portman. Good on him. That's a good prize for saving the world. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. Now... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of actors here. A lot of actors we're going to cover other times. I know this is technically our first Jack Nicholson movie and our first of a bunch of actors, but let's not let's not yeah. go through all of them now. I wanted to go through two that I thought we're probably not going to see for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, why don't we get into the verdict? Yeah, let's do it. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Huh? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Overall, I think I ultimately like it. I think, uh, first and foremost, really glad it exists. Would have liked it more if Tim Burton died soon after. But <laughs> <laughs> or died in the movie. During it. And During some it. and his mates had to chip in to finish it. Yeah. Like um The Pussy Pussy. Oh Parachute, the Pussy Pussy. Don's in. plum attacks. It writes itself. Don's plums. Attacks. It's just good and she's like uh, Spielberg with a pussy. That's not a very nice thing to say. It's not. I I shuddered saying it. I'm sorry, Mum. It was a quote. Yeah. <laughs> what was your overall thought, Greg? Rewatch? Um, yeah, okay, why not? I've been I've been getting a few no rewatches. I think just for it being quite different, yes. it makes it worth it, I think. Even yeah. if you're not going to love it, I think it's worth revisiting. Yeah, I've watched worse things. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely watched a lot worse things. Yeah, recently. Yeah. So, yeah, give it a crack, you know, it might it, – it's pretty weird. So it's a grand experiment in many ways. It does have Sarah Jessica Parker's head attached to a Chihuahua's body for yeah. a while. So talking to the head of um, Pierce I thought Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan was really good at it. Actually, yeah. why not MVP? I'll say Pierce Brosnan. Okay, why not? Yes. Why not? Yeah, um, it's hard to give a low key VP for this because yeah, they're uh, all kind of low key. Um, let's get into some of our patented tests. Did Simpsons do it? I don't believe so. No, I think. Elfman's probably as close as they get here. Yeah. Porn parody. Oh, I forgot to Google that. Google it either. Undetermined. Um, Bechtel test. Bechtel test. Oh. I feel like there could be some Bechtel here. Yeah, because the daughter talks to the mum, like yeah, the first Glenn lady. Close and close Natalie Portman. You know what? I think it does. FX test. Fuck yeah, I, th- I think so. Oh, you got it. Like a fine wine. For CGI as well. So it's always nice when CGI ages well from 97. Yeah. 96. 96, yeah, fuck. Good they seem to bring it in late, so that's even more impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, explosions, yep, they're all there, good stuff. Recasties I didn't really get to. Just the, <laughs> it's just the top 23 actors right now. Yeah, no, just, yeah. Six Degrees of JCVD, I didn't get to it. Okay. Did you? Um. So. Are you coming up with this on the spot? Yes. Okay. The dad from Adam's Family is in Street Fighter. Yep. And the Adam's backwards. Family dad is in Adam's Family yep. with 
The wife? Who's the wife in Adam's family? She was married to Jack Nicholson. What's her name? Yes. Fuck, I forgot her name. Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston was in a movie with Jack Nicholson. Probably. Probably. Must have been. Jack Nicholson's in this movie. Yeah, nicely done. On the fly. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's um, it's JCVD week next week. And also back at John Woo, which is quite cool. Yeah. Now, I believe, I, I haven't seen this one either. Finally, he's in New Orleans. Oh, a great accent explanation coming up. And I think he punches a snake in the face. He should. Is that this? Yeah. I think it is this. I think he's got, it's when we first introduced to his Moulet. Mm. John Woo's first American movie. Yeah. This is going to be a fun one. It'll be a good backstory. It'll be a great backstory. In the meantime, please leave us a review. We would love that. And make sure you subscribe. Hey, also tap tap a mate on the shoulder and say, I got it. Do I have a podcast for you? Yeah. And then tell him about ours. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you. That's, that last listen. part's crucial. Yeah. Or just like press play on their phone. Just give us a sweet, sweet number. <laughs> <laughs> they need that dopamine hit. Yeah. Let's see those charts. Yeah.